0: Live presented by
1: Kaleida
2: Health. All right, happy Easter Monday, everybody. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you as uh, we are fresh off the holiday weekend. And uh, there are birthday wishes in order for my co host, one Steve Tasker, who is 39 again. Congratulations, Steve, on hitting that milestone once again. Balloons and everything for you here on MSG. Did uh, did the family do anything for you, or was was your birthday overshadowed by Easter yesterday?
0: Oh no, it was overshadowed. Well, <clears throat> also I have you know I have a bunch of grandkids, uh, a set of twins whose birthday was <laughs> yesterday. So yeah, a slight backseat to the twins' birthday. Oh, night. but it was sh- we had we all had cake together. So
2: all right, yeah, good stuff. Well, that's good. And you had a gaggle of people running around looking for Easter eggs Absolutely. yesterday, I would as, imagine.
0: As you could imagine, it was, and plus the wet, you know, the weather now is, to, is kind of the topic of the day for everybody. So yeah, it was, it was a nice day yesterday. Lazy, didn't get to watch too much of the Masters. I was, you know, busy doing stuff, but I, I I parachuted in every so often to see how they were doing.
2: Really didn't catch a lick of it. I saw some clips on yeah social media the roof cave. tiger hobbling around like an old man yeah, like
0: tiger couldn't finish did he um, just
2: do that on one particular swing where he wrenched no, I his think leg or you
0: could tell it, the longer the days wore on the harder it got for him even in the first couple of rounds oh all right you his his leg's not right from the car crash he suffered you know two years ago so yeah it's been a minute for him and then brooks kepka the roof fell in on him and uh Rom is the opposite. He started out with a four putt and then finished, you know, like a like a champ. So it's always fun at that, and I like that. There's certain things you can depend on at that tournament, the way they set the course up and the way they run it. I've told you before, maybe maybe not on the air, but if you've never been, if you've ever been to. Um, a top-flight-level sporting. I've been to a bunch of them, obviously. I've played in and covered Super Bowls. I've been to World Series games, All-Star games, in Major League Baseball. I've been to the NBA, NBA games, uh, obviously NHL games and Stanley Cup games. I've been to the Boston Marathon and, and big events like that. I've been to NASCAR events. I've been to, you know, what other sport is there? I haven't been to a, pinna- a, a, a big-scale tennis event yet. Uh, okay. Like to Flushing Meadows or U.S. Open or anything like that, uh, but I've been to PGA events, golf events, all kinds of sporting events around you know this country. Um, and let me just say, and, and, I'll, and I'll go on record: there is nothing like that event in Augusta every year, the Masters. There's it's a it's a, a different kind of event. All of it, even a golf as a golf event, it's way different than any other event.
2: Yeah, I've heard that from people that have been there. Almost everyone that I've ever come across who has been there has said it's like one of their top 2 sporting experiences of their life. And they, you know what I mean, like there's a lot of stuff out there that Listen, could be I'm, a lot of fun. I've been in Super Bowls, been to Super Bowls,
0: World Series games, Stanley Cup final games, NBA games, NASCAR, the whole thing. I've been to all of it. There is there's nothing like it. There is absolutely nothing like it. And I was I go like Thursday, Friday rounds. I'm not even talking about Sunday. It's there's nothing like it. And for for a lot of reasons um but some of it, and and only some of it, has to do with the tradition of it. Yeah. Like it's like walking into Yankee Stadium or Fenway Park or or Wrigley Field. I mean, I went to college; we went to Wrigley Field, games at Wrigley Field. So there's those iconic venues that you go into, sure. you know. And it's like, wow, wow, this is you know right? hallowed ground. We're here, you know, like Lambeau Field, right? Yep. It's yep. like, wow, this is this is pretty cool, right? There, there's only a little of that. There's some of that, and there and it's real, but there's a Ton of other stuff that is beyond that about that event in Augusta that is just different hmm. than everything else. I'm telling you. Um, you I, I wonder
2: why that is though. Well, it's like, you, what. What is the? I could cause give you a list. That.
0: I could give you a whole list of why it is that way. Okay. I don't know if you want to. This is not a golf show, but you can go on and on. First of all, there's no corporate signage at all. Yeah. There's no Mercedes, Ford, Chevy. You know Kroger's, Wegman's. There's none of that signage at all. There's no CBS sports signs, no ESPN signs. Nothing. There is nothing. <laughs> there. It is. You're at a golf course, and all the the amenities for the for the patrons are a notch above.
3: Huh.
0: You can't take your phone in. Nobody's got a phone. Food's dirt cheap
2: there too, right? Oh. It's not. Th- I, it's like $3 for you, a burger I, or something.
0: Last time I was there, it's been a while since I've been there, but I, last time I was there, I went in and I bought lunch for myself and my my buddy that was there. I'll say, I get it. I got lunch. You know how you you know, you know split it yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. I got lunch today. So we go, we go through. We got a couple of sandwiches, a couple of cu- you know brownies, chips, pop, everything, the whole thing. We're all the way through, and we get to the cashier, which even the cashier setup is in- incredibly unique the way they do it. So you set it, and I I go. I go. Okay, here you go. She goes. Okay, that'll be that'll be ten fifty. I go. No, 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 all of this stuff. This is all. I'm getting all this. She goes. Yeah, that'd be ten (laughs) fifty. I'm like, oh my gosh, (laughs) right? So, and even the way you pick your food up, the way the concession lines, the whole setup is completely different. The whole way. If if there were forty thousand people on property and they all got thirsty, they could all have a drink in five minutes, tops, tops. And that was they wouldn't have to wait a, they wouldn't have to wait four minutes and fifty nine seconds of it either. Wow, it's unbelievable. Nobody's got a phone, so if you have that emergency that you can't, there's a bank of phone pay phones, like four of them around the property. You go up and just pick up the phone and dial. Any like Japan, no problem, free.
2: There's no coin slot. There
0: is no coin slot.
2: Wow. Well,
0: there's a coin. I think the, there was a coin slot, but all you had to do was dial. There was a dial tone right away, so uh, that's all taken care of. You know they got a pro, they got a merchandise shop there that's the size of a small Walmart. You can't see it anywhere on the property. You can't even see it. You go in and say, "Oh, oh my gosh!" You walk in and it's this huge place, and it's like one way traffic all the time. You go in yeah. one door and you come out another door, and you just go through the whole thing. You just you can come out with an armload of stuff. And that's not 1050. It's not. It's not bad. Oh, okay. They don't gouge. They <clears throat> don't right. gouge at all.
2: That's got to be very refreshing.
0: Well, then you got to, What so are you going to do see though? that anywhere else. You have to go through that. You go through that before you even get on the property if you want. Hmm. So what are you going to do? You got an armload of stuff. You're going to carry it around all day. No. There's a UPS store right there. Just throw, send it, to throw your it in boxes into the house, <laughs> or you can. There's a place where you can. Here we have a lot. You throw it in the lot. You can check it. You can come back and get it later.
2: They thought of everything.
0: That's that's the tip of the iceberg, bro. Okay.
2: Fair the, enough. The last time I was, I was there, you know, they had some
0: some trees blow over.
2: The, well, I was just going to mention that right. that was scary. Yes, Th- those were like 150 foot trees. Those were big pines that came down after the severe weather had this blown through. That's you know, correct, the, and that's what happens with pine trees. Yeah. They don't have a deep root system, so after severe storms, they get a little weakened, and then all of a sudden, the right gust of wind the, comes. Yeah, the
0: dirt gets a little saturated, and, and it's loose. There were like
2: 150 heart. people, like 10 feet in front of where those trees fell. Oh yeah, like if those two trees fell toward the green by the hole, it was closest to. You would have to have some people hospitalized. It was nobody. Not, nobody, nobody got, got hit.
0: Nobody got injured. That was amazing. The last time that I was there. That was a there, miracle. The last time I was there, that happened. Uh, you know, the, the traffic, of uh, the traffic, the tournament begins on Thursday morning. You know, with the ceremonial. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, uh, the
3: legend uh, the, players. Legend
0: uh, first tee. So, they usually open the gates, I think, at like 7 a.m. People can get in. And people flock in. Well, on Wednesday night, The year I, last year I went, it was, it was been a while. Like I said, I think it was Bubba McDowell when he won with the hook shot at the end on the playoff. Bubba, Bubba, yeah, Bubba McDowell. Uh, no, what's it?
3: Bubba Watson. Bubba Watson.
0: (laughs) Bubba McDowell. (laughs) Former safety. Bubba (laughs) Watson won with a hook shot. (laughs) So, on Wednesday night before the tournament, the morning before the tournament starts, a storm blows through Augusta. Yeah,
2: I love the Rolodex in your mind, by the way. And, yeah,
0: and... (laughs) A, one of those trees, just like it happened over the course of the weekend this year, one of those big 150 foot Georgia pines f- blew over on one of the permanent structures on the property. There happened it happened to be a perm. They have bathrooms on the property. I'll give you a story about those too. But and the tree fell right through the middle of that permanent structure the 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 men's room or the women's room, whatever, whoosh, and cut right through the middle of it. it like after midnight. So they, the next morning, when the tournament start to about to start, they delay the opening of the gates until eight thirty. So they delayed it an hour and a half. Yeah. And
2: by the time because pe- they probably came upon this tree at six a.m. and well, said we got to get this actually thing out of
0: here. no, because mm-hmm. by the time the people came in at eight thirty, the tree was gone. The building had been repaired, and you couldn't tell there had ever been a tree there to fall. Wow. The building was spot new in hours. They had that thing fixed and repaired and. Like, painted. yeah, the roof was rep- it, the whole thing. It was like it never happened. It's a utility. An hour, yeah. <laughs> and listen, somebody's writing checks for that, <laughs> right? A lot of a lot of money. But that's the kind of thing you're looking at. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. <laughs> and that's just the. T- I mean, I could go on. I tell this is one of my favorite golf stories. I go, it takes me about uh, nine holes to tell the story about what all the different ways that that event is unique, and all the events I've been to. Yeah. All the ones from all the different sports and all the venues. That it is a unique a unique and I would recommend it to everybody to go there at least once. All right. Yeah. Even for the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday the par 3 tournament. It's fun.
2: Well, it looks fun. That one even looks fun on TV. But yeah, I was it was a miracle nobody got hit by those trees. Those were two big trees right next to each other, too. Big like ones. they fell in unison. Yes. It was it was scary. Yes. Um, so thankfully nobody got hit by those. Uh, But we got to turn our attention to the NFL, obviously, as we are closing in on the final pre-draft 30 visits that teams are allowed to have. The deadline is fast approaching on that because the draft is going to be about two weeks away in three days' time. And uh, we had heard and saw reports last week from Ian Rappaport that Tennessee offensive tackle Darnell Wright was visiting here last week, and there are reports out there now, and I want to pull this up just to make sure I credit the proper person, but it is uh, it is being reported that Tennessee wide receiver Jalen Hyatt is going to be hosted by the Bills for a visit. So that is out there as well. The Bills don't publicize their own pre-draft visits, but – somebody's leaking it out somewhere, whether it's an agent or something else. So that is out there. So the visits are still taking place, um, but they'll be wrapping up here soon. I'm trying to remember. I saw the deadline when I read it last weekend, and I should have written it down for this very reason, but they will be wrapping up soon. And then around the league, as we go around the NFL, brought to you by Kaleida Health, Steve, your official health care system of the Buffalo Bills. Other Bills news, NFL Network's Mike Arafolo is reporting that the Bills are bringing Shaq Lawson back on a one-year deal. So they're running it back just the way they did it last year when they brought Shaq back initially. And I'm going to say this, Steve. Shaq had a good finish to the season. I mean, Vaughn goes out. He's like the veteran of the group. The guy got a lot of snaps and played good ball down the stretch for them and
0: you can make it he played maybe at the end of last year there were moments when he was playing as good a football as he's played in his pro career uh consistent you know what i mean because you we've seen him ride that roller coaster a little bit but i think he got more snaps last year at the end of the season than i thought he would probably get and that's why i think they were you know very
2: interested in bringing him back he's a juice player yeah. For this team. And I think Coach McDermott has always liked him. Now, Coach McDermott came here in 2017 and inherited him. But Shaq played some of his best football of his career under Coach McDermott. And I think if you asked him now, he would answer that the same way. Because he goes to Miami. It doesn't work. He's not a fit in a 3-4 system. Right. Gets traded to Houston. Doesn't fit in their 3-4 system. Goes to the Jets. some Some playing time here and there. And the Jets are like, yeah, we don't need to re-sign him. And then he, came, he comes back here, and he's playing just like he did in 2019 when he had like six and a half, seven sacks right. in 2019. Yeah. Played solid football down the stretch with yeah, Vaughn out of the I, lineup, and I think it earned him another year here.
0: I think he's dependable. Becoming more and more dependent. You know what, Good he, edge you against you know the what you're going to get with him, and they're very happy getting it. Um, you know, at this this deep into free agency, I'm sure Shaq has no problems coming back here. He's just he's just looking to get the best dollar he can get. And I think being back here for him personally, I'm guessing. But uh, you know, projecting on what I've heard guys talk about and guys that what it was like when I played, it's like, you know what, I'm I'm good with coming back. I wish I'd get more money. That's the only problem, you know, that's the right. only issue. But he but got he, his big contract. Yeah. He got his big contract right. when he left. But that's it. I mean, that's that's right. It's, he's not dying over there thinking, oh, my gosh. I mean, but, no, he's just, you know, I'm coming back. I'm happy to be here. And
2: I remember we were interviewing him when he came back last year. And he said, "I, you know, I came back because not only did I play some of my best ball here, but I had fun playing here. Right. Um, it's been a great experience. He now. and Jordan Phillips are pals. And, you know, that deal is official finally. Jordan Phillips on Friday officially re-signed with Buffalo, so he's back in the fold officially. The Bills have not confirmed the Mike Garafolo report on the Shaq Lawson deal, but we'll see what comes of it in the coming days. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good thing. I mean, is this like a banner headline signing? No, but it's a solid player you're putting back in the rotation for your D-line. So I'm actually glad to see it. Uh, the, the third pick in the draft, Steve, We've talked about this. We anticipated it was going to get a lot of attention from other teams, particularly the quarterback needy teams, because the QBs are expected to go 1-2. If you want the third-best quarterback in this draft, you may have to go up to three, knowing Indy is probably taking one at four. So word now is, and I think ESPN's Adam Schefter was reporting this, at least six teams have inquired with the Arizona Cardinals about trading up for the third overall pick. Cardinals are still mulling over whether to move the pick or make it. i got to believe it, it behooves Arizona to move out of the pick and get extra draft capital. They need bodies. I mean, they are rebuilding that thing from scratch under new head coach Jonathan Gannon. They, yeah. They got a lot of work the to best, do. The best One way guy to... at pick three is not right. going to change the exact. Exactly,
0: fortunes. right. There's nobody they're going to pick at pick three. And they don't need a quarterback because they've got Kyler. Well, yeah, they're tied to that guy. But the simple fact is this think about it. Is there any player in this draft at any position who's going to make as big an impact as, say, you could get three second round picks for that pick? Well, they'll, they'll be able to still pick
2: or in the top 15 a, somewhere and get another two or a something. A
0: one or, and two twos. You get three picks for that pick if you wanted, or two picks and a player. Is there any player on that list that's not a quarterback that's going to make that big an impact on yeah. your team going forward? No, there's not.
2: And they Trade out of that and get a bunch of really good players. They presumably would be looking – for players on their rookie contracts if they were going to accept players in a trade because you got to believe they're looking for cost control guys that they can develop. You know, they're not interested in taking on a 31-year-old player who's going to be retired by the time they're good again, if you know what I mean. They're looking for younger players that still are on the ascent in their career. So you might be able to flip them a player on their rookie deal maybe with two years left on their rookie contract – but they're going to be looking for draft capital.
0: Yeah, maybe that. Yeah, there, or like I said, just grab more picks. Yeah. Now this is not. This is a little bit. This draft is a little bit funky because you know there's a quarterbacks up there, but other than the quarterback, it's, you know, people are kind of poo-pooing the quality at the very top of this draft. It's not really deep, but there's going to be well, yeah, a handful of players that are really good, so you could get some gems even in late first all the way through the early fourth. You know, so some guys that can play. It's going to be – it's one of those drafts. I think you need to cast a wide net, and we've talked about it before. You want to cast a wide net in these drafts. The Bills sitting there with six picks, <laughs> man, that's hard. Yeah. That's hard to do. With six. If you got one of these teams with, like, ten picks, okay. Then you got a shot at it. Right, You, know, you get – it's like a batting average. If you get three starters out of that draft, out
2: of ten picks, you get better in a hurry. You get better quick. That's all it takes. And that's why, you know, I think you would think that the only reason they would stay at three is if they're absolutely in love with some player. Maybe it's Alabama's Will Anderson. Maybe they love Jalen Carter because the presumption is they're going to take a defensive player because – They have Kyler Murray, and their defense was 31st in the league in points allowed last year. J.J. Watt retires. A bunch of other players were up in free agency and have left. So they got a lot of work to do on that side of the ball. And their new head coach, by the way, was the D.C. in Philly. You know he's going to want to mold that defense in his own image and get started right away on that. But even somebody the talent of Jalen Carter or Will Anderson – is it worth staying there to get that guy or slide back to like 12 to 15, get the fourth best pass rusher in the draft, and then, you know what I mean? Like you could, to, somewhere from 12 to 15, you can probably still get like Miles Murphy from Clemson, somebody like that who's, you know, a solid edge rusher, and then you got two more picks to work with on, you know, maybe another one on day two or – or or two on day two, actually, and you're still picking third in the round almost every round anyway. So that's something they got to really think through. Like, what is the drop-off from the player they can get at three to a player they can get at somewhere between 12 and 15? Is it cavernous? Is it at a complete abyss of a distance between those two prospects? Because if it isn't, they should move down.
0: You could get three. It'd be the trade value Did you know, when you go through the it's like three third rounders for that one pick. That's what you're talking about.
2: I think they would want a one in return. Right. As part of the
0: package. But even, even if they do, you get two third rounders and a one. And a, particularly yeah. a one that could still be up in the. In Jeans, the right? Yeah, in the 20 to 15 range, you know.
2: I, I think they should move back Ultimately. That would, I think they have a chance to get better faster if they do that, provided they hit on the extra picks that they do get. That is always <laughs> the key part of the, the equation. Well, that's, yeah. Um,
0: but that's, and I've heard them, we say it all the time, it's hard, even the best ones miss a ton. And well, all right, It's a coin flip. So the, the, the strategy is to get as many
2: picks as you can. Yeah, keep swinging. Give yourself extra swings, yeah, you, or free spin tokens, wide, whatever like, you want to
0: call it. It's like the, it's like those videos you see on on National Geographic where they pull the net and there's a bunch of fish, and all of a sudden in the middle of those fish they drop the net and there's a twelve hundred pound walrus in the middle of it, <laughs> right? <laughs> you got to cast a wide net to get the big fish, right? So yeah. that's what you got to do. You got to get as many picks as you can. Give yourself a shot because you never know when you're going to find a Taron Johnson, a Matt Milano, you know, a Gabe, Gabe Davis. Davis. All of these guys that can really play, like you know, or even like a, a Levi a Levi Wallace, who is a four-year starter here, now is playing for for Pittsburgh. You know, those guys that are like, wow, you know, you got to play him. Yep. You know, Christian Benford. Sixth rounder. Sixth rounder ends up starting a corner in the NFL on day one. Yeah, those are hard to find. Yep. But you got to – it takes a lot of swings to get them. So that's the, really the strategy. But, you know – Like, with the Bills, you're not going to bat 500 on a six-pick draft.
2: Yeah, if you bet, it's like a baseball batting average. If you're betting 300, you're doing pretty dang good. Um, Other news, Washington, D.C. Attorney General Brian Schwalb announced his office has reached a settlement with Pro Football Inc. That is the company that owns the Washington Commanders for failing to return ticket deposits to D.C. fans. The team will pay a six hundred twenty-five thousand dollar fine to Washington D.C. and refund the remaining outstanding deposits. This stems from the cooking of the books, or sorry, the alleged cooking of the books by the Washington commanders—that they had two different ledgers for accounting. Yeah, and some
0: improprieties were—they were accused of some improprieties—and this is a settlement of that so, those accusations. You know, we
2: heard that. The sale of this team by Daniel Snyder and his wife may happen as early as May. Some people thought there was a chance of it happening at these owners' meetings that just took place a couple of weeks ago. I wonder if this settlement was holding things up in any way, shape, or form by um, way of a sale. Holding it up, maybe
0: not, but certainly part of the process of getting it done. I mean, no, You're not going to buy the team
2: that's being – and, well, you don't and, want to incur this debt. Yeah, it's additional debt, and it's right. not nothing. It's six hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. Well, that's nothing to the NFL, but but the potential for the
0: suit that goes for if it goes forward, right? You're going to say I'm going to I'll take you know I'll, I'll buy the team, but settle that, yeah. settle this and this and this, and get all this off your books. And so do I wonder that. if it prompts there's so the, a list of a pending
2: sale exactly prompted this settlement. I, I
0: would. That's a possibility to me. Yeah. That you know in a in a deal of this na- magnitude that the incoming candidates for ownership are saying listen i want i want the the legal sheet clean i don't want any pending lawsuits yeah any of that stuff going on if i buy this team for this number Not
2: really the way you want to walk into ownership
0: yeah with that on the books <laughs>
2: <laughs> i'm inheriting what now e- exactly that's so, like uh, that's clean, like water damage in I'm the basement sure. of the property it's, you want to get home inspected yeah. to buy yeah fix yeah fix the water
0: damage and we'll talk. Yeah. And I'll and all about it. That kind of thing. That's exactly what it is, right? Doesn't it make oh, yeah. sense? I and, and I I'm we're does. guessing. We don't know this stuff. We're, yeah, but but it makes sense. I think it's a
2: fair hypothesis. Um we were talking about pre-draft visits. Georgia defensive tackle, Jalen Carter, scheduled to visit the Seahawks on Tuesday. I think in the wake of some of his off the field issues, as we know, he's got a one year probation sentence after speeding in that fatal car crash. He was the car that the crashed car was racing against, allegedly. Um, And he pleaded that out, one-year probation sentence. So he's free and clear of any other legal ramifications unless he does something like that again. um, So in the wake of that, a lot of people believe his most likely destinations – Are Seattle at five or Chicago at nine? So still has a chance to be a top ten pick. And I don't think there's any question that he is a special talent. But he has prompted an awful lot of teams to do an awful lot of additional investigation into his background to just make sure the kind of person they're getting, not just the kind of player they're getting. Yeah. And that's probably what Seattle's doing here. Right. Look him in the eye, sit him down, you know, that Absolutely.
0: Kind of. that, because the stuff that went on off the field, um, you would think that while, you know, there's every, there's no reason to believe he's anything but a good kid, but he's been around some stuff that was going on, particularly with this car racing accusation. Other than that, it's been about his demeanor at the combine, at the pro day.
2: Well, he didn't have a great pro day. He um, shows up nine pounds overweight. Right. He's he's couldn't chubby. even finish the drills because he, he was winded. He looks chubby
0: and out of shape. And at this point in your career, this is when you want to be. Most guys feel like you got to be razor sharp. This is when you're like focus, at Let's your go. best. You want to be. This is your job interview. You're wearing a suit and tie and power socks. You know. So he's not doing. Unfortunate. That. He's not doing that. He's just coasting to the finish line here. And uh, it's going to cost him. There's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, unless you get a team. Well, I say this. Like the Arizona Cardinals decides he's their guy, then he's, you know, then it all, it's, it's as he thought it was when he, you get these guys that are coasting the finish line because they, they know they where they're at, and all of a sudden they're just going to ride. Sometimes they do get a free ride, but yeah. that's what it will take. Because right now, there's, there's got to be a hand, at least a handful of teams that are like, I don't think so. I don't think. Right, Brownie?
2: Yeah.
0: Just a handful. like There's 27 teams that would love him, and most teams would take him. But at the top of the draft, you got GMs that are going, listen, if I blow this with this guy yeah. because he's a lazy, well, you gotta totally, entitled yeah.
2: you got to vet that.
0: No, I ain't doing it. I'm going to go someplace where at least I know I've got a high floor you know the guys not going to be special
2: con- talent i don't think there's any debate about that but we've seen other special talents flame out in this league pretty quickly too and that's a position that's of particular concern for gms and coaches because motivating big guys like that who in the span of a day taking it easy can put on 10 pounds oh yeah i mean they could put on 10 pounds sitting there watching tv um, it's like nothing and you, You're you, not going you to know You're right. that those big guys are self motivated, internally driven, and that money is not going to change them. Because even if you get them in the door and they're great those first four years, and now you got to pay them, it's like, oh, geez, is this going to change how he plays every week now that he's getting his bag of money? And that was a concern with Marcel Darius, and he was out of the league two years later after getting his money. he's, He's not the first, and he won't be the last. And those are some of the concerns that accompany players that play that position for that very reason. Before we go to the break here, we're talking NFL draft, and we're talking Bills. What position would you trade up for in the draft, and why, for Buffalo? Bills are picking at 27. What position would you approve Brandon Bean trading up for? You let us know at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550, the number to get on board. We're taking your phone calls and your tweets next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bill's Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you here on a Monday. Happy Dingus Day as well. It's, uh, man, Steve, you could really turn it out today. It's your birthday. It's also Dingus Day. You could really get your groove on if you wanted to. I know, right? I was having the conversation outside. I'm a
0: big Polish sausage fan. I like it better than Italian You're big sausage. Big
2: on Kilbasa, huh? Yeah,
0: I like it better than, uh, especially on sandwiches. Um, You know, like we, you, you, know. On a roll, you on mean? On a roll, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, pizza is different. I'd rather have an Italian sausage, but. Polish sausage is, I'm I'm a huge fan. Love it.
2: What do you put on the kielbasa? What's in there? Well, Sauerkraut just, no, or just no. talking peppers am, and onions? I'm a purist. It is mustard. just the kielbasa. And deli deli mustard. Just deli mustard. I got to yeah. get you on the spicy brown train, man. I've tried. I know
0: spicy brown. I'm just. It's. I like it. I like the deli mustard better. The yellow mustard oh, right. better. Well, as it long just, as you're not. I'm not averse. Shutting it. it. No. It's, okay. I don't disparage any
2: food group just because I don't like it. <laughs> Bat Range of Food Group. That's great. What? Topic of discussion today, not Kilbasa. It is what position would you trade up for in the NFL draft and why? Give us some justification as to why you feel it is worth trading up for position group X. Are we starting you and me? Uh no, we have people on the phones waiting for us at mm-hmm. 803-0550. One eight 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 550 the number to get on board. Got a few lines open for you if you want to chime in as well. Leading us off today, Jim in South Buffalo. What do you got for us, Jim? You're on One Bills Live.
3: Yes, yeah, so I got two things. Um, one, we'll talk about the draft, but before I do that, um, I got a question about the construction of the stadium. Okay. Uh, they're going to start doing, um, doing work over there, and – that's where we have lots of cars parked They're in our building. Where's all these people going to park?
2: Yep. Right. So what? So Ron Recuia, the executive vice president and COO of the Bills, he has said this year the only lot impacted is the camper lot. All of the other lots will not be impacted by construction mm-hmm. this year. So this year, if you're in the camper lot, they are looking for a new location for those patrons but everybody else should not be impacted by the amount of construction happening this year. Next year could be a different story, but we don't have the details on it yet. Eventually, everybody yeah. is going to be displaced in some way, shape, yeah. or form
0: because the big because the because of the gathering spots and and all the stuff that's going on with the new stadium. Not even during construction, but even after it's done, the footprint of the new stadium is going to be much bigger than the one we've got now. It's about one and a half. Yeah. So they're going to lose that many parking spaces. So the old stadium will probably be, you know, like they all are at some point. The old stadium is probably going to be a parking lot at some point. But until that happens, yeah, it's going to be – there's going to be some, you know, some growing pains or some – I don't know what you call it, some construction
2: Some construction problems. Um that you're gonna to have to work around for yeah. a year or two or be, or whatever four years. It's like that puzzle piece with the one missing thing, and you got to slide everything around to get the picture right. Yeah, remember those little puzzles? That's what you what's used gonna have? be. That's what you're gonna be shuffling stuff. That's true, around. though, Jim. That's that's true. The parking thing is gonna be a little bit disheveled for a minute. Yeah, but if, yeah. from what we've been told, this year, camper lots the only one impacted. What do you got for the draft? What do you got on the draft, Jim? For
3: the draft. I'm not that familiar with a lot of college people, so that's not my thing. But I noticed that we have a lot of people on one year contract and I mean, we signed like 10 people in the last month, one year contract. So I'm thinking if we could get somebody in those positions that we might be able to think that's going to replace one of them 10 people that's on one year contract.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of what the draft is all about. And, I mean, Brandon Bean has operated this way for several years, where a lot of his free agent pickups come in on one-year deals. There are exceptions, you know, Von Miller, for example, last year. um, And there are others that have signed long-term contracts with the Bills as free agents. But a lot of the backfilling of this roster is through one-year contracts. And the interesting thing is the rest of the league has gotten wise to it, and they're doing the same thing now. I have not... I cannot remember a free agent period in the last 15 years that has had as many one-year contracts as we have witnessed this offseason because I think a lot of GMs are looking at that saying, I can control my costs a lot better if I do more short-term deals and then I know what I have to work with. What I, the picture of what I have to work with next year in terms of cap space is even clearer. Yes, because I know this contract is expiring, and that one, and that one, and that one, and that one. Those are all off the books. Here's what I got to work with, and here's how many spots I'll have to fill. So, more and more of the league is is adopting that practice. Uh, I don't think it's a great concern, like oh my God, we're not going to have anybody next year. But that's why you draft players because yeah. it's cost
0: control for four years right. at least. And the and the the evolution of the league is getting to the point where a lot of teams are doing this because a couple of things it's such a brutal game that the players you know you got to really motivate them to play and co- and money's a great motivator whether whether you believe it or not th- these guys play cuz they love it no question but th- there's a lot in that and if you get all these guys with on these one year deals it keeps your salary cap fluid at the end you get these guys that maybe they're not high end free agents but they're, not, they're making this one-year deal, and they are highly motivated free agents. And as we've seen, because of the brutal nature of the game, some of these guys make a bag of money, and they take it out of gear. And they're coasting until that team gets frustrated with them or until they're in their next contract year, then they turn it on again. Well, the Bills are – and every, and like Brownie said, a ton of teams are doing the exact same thing right now. Yeah, A ton of teams are doing the exact same thing, and it's – it's the way the league is right now because of the salary cap structure, because of the fluidity of it. It's going up, but it's also a game where you have to make sure your players are highly motivated. It used to fall 100% on the coaching staff to get a guy who is making a ton of money to play hard. It used to be all on the coaching. now with a one year deals and stuff like that,
2: the players are motivated. Yeah. Uh, that's where you want them to be. Um, because they're thinking about showing out, so they can get a better contract next
0: year. They got to get another contract next year. Yeah, um, it's it's really a smart way to do business. Other teams are copying it, and I don't. And because of what you learn real quick, and what I've seen from Brandon Bean, you always think, oh man, we lost we lost this guy, we lost that guy. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Oh my gosh, that guy's available. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, we could get that guy. It's like you it. It's really easy to find good players when every team's going through the same thing. So um, don't forget, for as much as you love and respect the guys that we have seen come through the doors, there are a lot of really quality players out there that are going to be available in the next free agent cycle or subsequent free agent cycles.
2: What position would you trade up for in the NFL draft and why? We go to Bruce in Amherst next. What do you got for us, Bruce?
0: Yeah, how's it going, guys? Uh, time listener, caught you in the past. Uh, I want to mention that we're big Bills fans. just lost my brother Gary. Uh, we uh, buried him on uh, Friday, a good
1: Friday, in oh. uh, Forest Lawn.
0: Sorry to hear that. Um, Sorry to hear that.
1: I also would like to wish you a happy birthday, Steve. Many more to come. You're a special kind of person at job even, And you deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. And draft Campbell
0: in lieu of uh, Edmonds and also – or um, the tight end from Notre Dame, and um,
1: I would say 13 wins. a Bakers doesn't take the over, mm-hmm. even though they got a tougher schedule than last year. And go Bills!
2: All right, thanks, hey, Bruce, guy, for the you... call. Appreciate it. Um, wow, we got a lot there, a lot to unpack. He le- so he's right. he didn't say what to tr- what position to trade up for, but he said. Players to land. Right. So he wants Jack Campbell, the linebacker from Iowa, who is a popular choice among Bills fans right. for obvious reasons, although a lot of the draft Knicks have him projected as a second-round pick. And then Michael Mayer, the tight end from Notre Dame, who has been considered one of the top two tight ends in what is a very deep class at that position. Right. So good, good players to choose from. I don't know if you have to trade up for Jack Campbell. You may slide back to get him at proper value. Yeah, I, the Bills are in a little bit of a unique situation with with their
0: need, their roster need, being that middle linebacker spot and the, and the prominence of the guy that they lost, making it seem like it's a, a much bigger void. Um, you think, well, maybe they should get the guy. But they are unique because there's not a lot of teams that are – Losing sleep, like the Bills may be over their middle linebacker. Mm-hmm. But there isn't there. There's like two of them. So if you get to the pick twenty seven and they're both on the board, and you think either one of them could fill the void, you say okay, and you call up the teams at you know thirty one or thirty five or thirty three or thirty six and say, hey, will you trade back with us? And pick up another pick, and then all of a sudden you do have seven picks instead of six, and you go on from there. Yeah, I, I get it. I'm still tempted to get the guy you want when you, when he pops up if he's there. It's valid I, trading back and counting on him to still be there is is the worst <laughs> type of gamble yeah. to me because then you had him and you gave him back.
2: Yeah. That's a that hurts to me. That it's like a bad game of liar's poker. <laughs> oh, baby. Yes. We, we, we have to take a break here, but more of your phone calls when we return. What position would you trade up for in the draft and why? It's One Bills Live presented by Collada Health. This is Buffalo Bills Radio. Back here on One Bills Live, right back to the phones we go, where we are asking you what position you would trade up for in the NFL and why. To Ron in Pennsylvania next, Uh what do you got for us, Ron? You're on one. Oh, hold on a second here. Let me pull you up. There we go. Oops. There we go. I got gotcha. you. What do you got for us, Ron?
1: Chris, Steve, how you doing?
2: Doing well. Doing well.
1: Great. Great show, guys. Thank you. I uh, share the same birthday with you, Steve. Happy birthday. Oh, how about that? Oh, Happy birthday. There you go. I'm a bit older than you are, but anyway, I'd like to see him trade up to get a solid offensive line that we can have on the roster for about four years.
2: We talking tackle only here, or are you open to guard or
1: want the interior fixed up so that we can protect Josh Josh and, uh, and, uh, you know, somebody that's going to be there for a few years that we can, we can work around.
2: Right. Uh, the one player who's played tackle in college but projects to a guard for some teams that is expected to go in the top half of round one is the Northwestern kid, Steve, Skoronsky. Peter Skoronsky. Some people project him inside to guard. Some people think he can play tackle. It would be interesting how those different determinations impact his draft status. I still think he's going to go early. I mean, he's considered yeah. one of the most technically sound offensive lineman in the entire class. Um, but if you think he's a guard, do you wait a little longer? That's that's what I'm interested to see. I mean, up top, there's those teams need help in a lot of places. That's why they're picking up there. So I would tend to think whoever takes him, if they take him in the top 15, will try him at tackle first. But I could be wrong. I don't know.
0: Yeah, they're going to find out what he can do, and they'll put him at the spot where he fits best. Um, certainly their needs will have something to do with yeah. that or injuries and all of that. Um, I don't think they'll probably plug him in at at left tackle. Although, in the preseason, you know, Deion Dawkins ain't going to play, and you plug him in there, see how he see how he does against certain matchups. If you get it, if we're going to, I don't know what the preseason schedule is going to look like, but if you're going to go in against, you know, if you're going to play the Niners in preseason, let's see what he does against Bosa. You know, Ooh. put him at right tackle, or put, you know, throw him in there for yeah. the first couple of series there, see how he does. You know, that kind of thing. You let him sink or swim a little bit at left tackle early in the preseason, let him give him some reps. That's what I'm talking – or, you know, but for the most part, you're going to put the guy where you think he's going to be on your team this year and give him as many reps as you can. But that doesn't mean you can't find out about his athleticism as to whether he'll hold up out there like that.
2: Yep. Let's go to Mark in Jersey City next. What do you got for us, Mark?
1: Uh, Good afternoon, gentlemen. Happy birthday, Steve. Thanks. Um. I'd have to say I'm in line with the last caller, but you have to make sure it's a tackle. That's a premium position, and I'm also in lockstep with Steve. It's the Tennessee kid, Darnell Wright. Oh, you, you got a name too? Okay. Oh yeah, he's played left. He's played right, and he go watch his reps against the game against Alabama.
2: Yeah, I did see that game. He uh, did well there. Yeah. Even yeah. when he got beat, uh, listen, he, he I, was boxing the guy. Yeah, he was boxing. Our <laughs> boy boxing hey, out. Will
0: Anderson. Our boy. Our boy. Greg Cosell went on and on about how Darnell Wright handled Will Anderson in that game. Um, he's he said if you didn't know Will Anderson was a draftable player, you wait. If you didn't know who Will Anderson was, you would think he would not be a draftable player for what Darnell Wright did to him in that game. Yeah. Uh,
2: I think it's one of the few now, people Will Anderson came across who was just flat out stronger than him.
0: Yeah, he he did that. And now I'll say this too. Now in this kind of folds into other things that our boy Greg Cosell has told us, who's on all you know Fridays with us, and you guys all love him. And he said this, he that he and he told us this at the combine. Off, he doesn't like Will Anderson. He doesn't think he's the guy. He doesn't think he's the best edge rusher. He's not an
2: explosive player. And he's not so a he's bendy not, guy. He's not quick twitch. And so I would understand why some people might be turned off by that. Now, I don't want to speak for Greg,
0: but that's what he has been made known to me. And he's also said it on some other places as well. He doesn't. He likes other guys much better as an edge rusher than he does Will Anderson. Couldn't but, that be a matter of preference, though? Yes, it could be. However... And so that may have colored his opinion about Darnell Wright in the game he had against him. Um, those two players, Darnell Wright and Will Anderson, played against each other. And by Greg Cosell's evaluation,
2: Darnell Wright owned him, and he didn't do much in that game. I watched that game; he didn't do a whole lot. Will Anderson. So, and there are very few games in Will Anderson's career where he was not showing up, right. and noticeable. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. Mark, I, I'm from Jersey City, I'm with you. That's my guy. I I picked him and I yeah, that's, last week. That's my him. my dark horse. Maybe they'll get him, maybe they won't. Maybe he'll be a good player, maybe he won't. But today that's I'm still there as with I'm there as well with you. So um and Will Anderson is intriguing to me because there does seem to be a difference of opinion. Our a guy at CBS Sports, Pete Prisco, doesn't think he's the best edge rusher in this track class. Uh, so there are guys who are kind of in it. Now, there's a ton of guys who are like, no, no, he is definitely the guy. He's going to be, you know, like we've always heard about the top-edge rusher. Yeah. Uh, but there is some dissent to that view. So we'll see. And if Darnell Wright becomes a
2: Buffalo Bill because of the way he played, then I'm okay with it. We're going to squeeze in CJ and Buffalo here before the break. What do you got for us, CJ?
1: Hey, guys. Hey, uh, real quick. So mine is more – I guess you could say logical based off like the eye test from last year. Uh, one, we know Josh Allen uh, needs help with receivers and yards after the catch. And right. I personally, I, I would like to trade up for receiver. We had a lot of drop passes from Gabe Davis, uh, McKenzie, especially. Um, we, we really need help and we don't draft white, white receivers early in a draft in general. We draft three running backs before we drafted receivers with this uh, regime. So just one time, let's just go get our guy, a receiver, and he's, gonna, he's not just going to be what he was in college. He's going to be better because Josh Allen extends plays. I love Zay Flowers. I think he's phenomenal and very explosive, and I think we need a player like that on offense, which changes the game and how people play us. That would, loosen, that would make everything better for our running backs that we have. We have explosive running backs, but we don't use our guys and there's also a conversation with Ken Dorsey on who we draft because we had Hines, and we didn't throw a screen, anything, really, to him. Like, it, it would be pointless to grab a player and not get the most out of that player. So it's kind of like, like you gotta, you got to balance it, if you know what I mean.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I get where you're coming from. Trade up for a receiver. Okay, I mean, I don't hate that because the anticipated run on receivers is expected to start – Somewhere in the early 20s. I mean, some people think Tampa's going to try to reload, although they might, they have a lot of other things they got to fix down there. Um, Seattle at 20 is a possible option. That's their second pick in the first round. The Chargers, they already have two $20 million receivers. Some people think they're going to supplement it with one of the best tight ends in the draft for a pass catching option. But Ravens at 22, Vikings at 23, who, who lost Adam Thielen. Uh, maybe the Jaguars, there's like two or three teams right in there in the early 20s where, in CJ's scenario, you may have to go up and get above them if you want the pick right. of the litter. But that's where the run could potentially start at receiver, many people anticipate. Yeah, it could be the Vikings. Giants, Cowboys,
0: Ravens, as yeah. well, who just signed OBJ, they yeah, could get but a, they need more help. They than could get that. a cheap one, a cheap addition to that in the first round, and really go all in with Lamar and try and you know serve him, serve him his wishes up on a platter uh, as to being supported more by the organization. Um, yeah, there's there could be a run there at, at wideouts. I, if you believe, I'm with you, uh, CJ. If if you believe there's a guy, a difference maker that could and even if you believe if this guy, Zay Flowers, if Zay Flowers gets drafted by any one of these other teams and he's going to be a guy, that's even one thing. But if you think specifically that him being drafted by the Bills is going to make him that guy because of Josh and all the stuff they do, I'm okay with that too. That strategy is fine. If you're going to trade up, I'm with you in this respect. I don't care who it, is, whether it's receiver, running back, tight end, offensive lineman – defensive line edge rusher whatever if you're going to trade up for that guy my expectations for that guy have have gone up i don't care if you did if you just went up from 27 to 25 and you get him 25th in the nfl draft if you trade it up to get him he should see the field quick and he should be a difference maker fast to me i don't want well, sit- to what
2: the bills did last year with Elam.
0: i don't want to see yeah Two i don't want spots see- yeah I don't want to see a guy. You go up and spend some a- assets to get him, and then have him be like, "eh, yeah, just a guy." Now, yeah. I, I think Kyrie Elam's gonna. I think he's gonna be a really good player. Oh, so do I. And I'm not. I'm not too upset about what happened to him, particularly with the emergence of Benford. The whole thing. Yeah. Um, I'm okay with that. But in this, but now pre-draft, kind of that's what I'm thinking, right? Don't your expectations go up when you see him trade up for the guy? Yes, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I'm kind of uh, that's a rookie I want to see on the field. Yeah, no question about. I it. I don't know though if he's 25th in, in the draft. Okay, that's 20 24 other teams passed on him.
2: So he's still the top 25 player in the entire class, though. Wow, wow. Right. Steve, what, you're tough, man. Right? Wouldn't it you're be tough. that though? Wouldn't it be? I want to see the guy. I'm with you. Uh, we got to take a break here. But when we come back, senior writer and columnist for The Athletic, Nick Baumgartner. He's got a three-round mock, among other things draft-related. We'll chop it up with him in our number two here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio.
0: Live presented
1: by Kaleida Health.
2: All right, here we are on a Monday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Hour number two, One Bills Live. Pleased to be joined now by senior writer and columnist for The Athletic, also co host of the One of These Years Detroit Lions podcast. I don't know if there's a better title uh, than that. (laughs) One of These Years, Steve. Do you like that? I like that. It's pretty good. Uh, Nick Baumgartner joining us. uh, And fresh off. a three-round mock. How long does that take, Nick?
4: Well, I mean, hey, that's the second one I did. The first one, the first one takes a lot longer. <laughs> the yeah, second right.
2: one that you go through <laughs>
4: is a little shorter. But, hey, look, Dane Brugler just did the uh, the beast today. Yeah, he just right. That or, Saw or that.
2: 300,000 300, words. So that takes Dane a lot longer than my, mom, than my mock Well, fair, but, enough. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. cool. All right, pretty so cool. so let's run down your picks for the Bills here right out of the gate Sure. Um number two, I, I think people would be pretty happy with your first round selection of Jordan Addison, the wide receiver out of USC. I think the big question for Bill's fans is, where does the receiver run? start does it start with baltimore at 22 does it start with minnesota at 23 or does it start even earlier what is the what is the intel and the tea leaves telling you about the wide receiver run first of all before we get to addison
4: yeah I, i don't think it's going to start any earlier than the 20s you know i think that that's where this class you know in particular falls and it could you know there could be an outlier there could be a team that falls in love with you know Quentin johnston or or even Jackson, Smith and Jacob. I mean, those two guys in particular, more so than Addison, I think, would be. Uh, and I don't know if it would start a run, but it, maybe they'd be an outlier. But really, I just don't think this group is as good as maybe we've seen in recent years. That plus the fact that the receiver you know, market is so deep right now and has been for some time and will be in the future. I just think that good players are going to be down there, especially where Buffalo's at. And, and that's... Sort of how I looked at it for them, I think. If I look back, because it's like, you know, they could go beep, they could do a lot of stuff and they need technically a lot of things, but also they're really good. So they don't really need anything. They can do whatever they want. So I just kind of thought, you know, best player available, um, Addison in that offense would be awesome. Any of those guys would be, though. So I guess that's the big question.
0: Yeah. And if as you as you get down this wide receiver class, we've we've talked a lot about how they all seem to be very similar in their skill set talent set they're all sub six foot sub 200 pounds and usually Mm -hmm. you get one of these guys or a bunch of these guys that are like six three still run a four three you know those kind of guys there really doesn't seem to be any of those big dynamic bodies in this class they all seem to be within the same physical traits
4: range yeah Johnston would be the closest thing to the big you know, the big, the, the explosive athletic, Jonathan Mingo down there too, uh, is another one who's really impressive athletically, A.T. Perry. But again, those are like unpolished players. And Quentin even is an unpolished player. The best receiver in the draft, the best like, you know, flat out get it done is Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's not, you know, he's a smallish guy. He's not explosive. He's not super fast. And he hasn't played really in like a year. So like, I mean, that that's the, that's really the rub here. you got guys that could really pay off. Uh, later on it's a good year to sort of like need a receiver i think and then be sitting there at the end of the first round because i think that no matter what you know any of those top five there you know can play and i think they're going to help a team you know pretty quickly it's just a matter of where they go
2: your second round pick for buffalo was uh the notre dame edge rusher isaiah foskey and Mm -hmm. this may draw a couple of groans from Bills fans only because (laughs) in 2020 and 2021, they went back to back years, Edge Rusher in the second round in AJ Epinesa and Boogie Basham, not forgetting, of course, Greg Rousseau in the first round in, in 21. Um, and the, the returns have not been outstanding. So I could understand why Bills fans might be a little gun shy, but why don't you try to sell Bills fans on Isaiah Foskey? Yeah, I
4: think that he's the – this is another one where it was like bit's best player. You know, I looked at tackle here, offensive tackle for them, and like Matthew Bergeron, I think I had him a couple picks ahead of where Buffalo went. Would have been one that would have been a nice fit there uh, because that's another spot, I think, where they could check off the box. You know, maybe if like a Gervon Dexter's around there, they could do that, you know, defensive tackle. But I think Foskey is a guy that if all the tools click – could be a first round, you know, player. There's going to be teams that probably have a first round grade on him. I think there probably are that some that do. I mean, he's athletically uh, can do anything. Now, as a player, he's very still sort of raw in terms of his, you know, pass rush arsenal, his plan, his technique. It's not consistent. Um, you know, it's very much like Dane always looks uh, down the middle. He just only attacks guys down the middle. It just lets his athleticism do everything. However, if you flip that around, you say this is this guy. All the traits, all the athleticism. I think I don't remember what he ran at the, at the combine, but it was really good. You know, he can run all over the field. And I think that if if you're at the bottom of the second round, that's sometimes where you can sneak up and get a guy that has that potential of maybe he didn't put everything together in college the way we would have liked to seen, but he's still really young and probably can, especially on a good team like Buffalo.
0: One of the things that Bills fans have been discussing is their propensity to put guys on one year contracts. Jordan Poyer, nobody thought he would re sign with Buffalo. He did. They got an All Pro safety back. Poyer and Hyde coming back in the back end, but both those guys are at the back end of their contracts. Poyer on the lat on a one year deal, so at ninety one, you've got the Bills picking Jordan Battle, the safety out of Alabama.
4: Yeah, Battle is a, a Saban DB. You know, I mean, he's one of these guys who uh, I think he ended up either All American or All SEC in the defensive backfield, uh, Alabama, which is always. Impressive to do because there's like, I think uh, one of our colleagues wrote this the other day. There's never a one standout back there at Alabama. They're all like, they all do their job. And he was a top end guy uh, back there. I think a lot of people have slept on him, uh, but I think he's gettable in the third there for Buffalo. Antonio Johnson, the kid from a and i A&M, I'm not sure if he'll be there, uh, but if he were to fall, uh, he's got the better traits probably. And he's probably the better long-term investment, but I think battle is probably ready are more ready to go because of where he played, who he played for, and sort of the environment he played in. And it's, it, guys that played at Bama are ready to go. When they, when they walk into a room uh, like a team like Buffalo that's going to contend immediately, we're not rebuilding here, we're not doing anything else. Like, I typically think that organizations like that like players like that, and that's sort of why I fit. fit how,
2: how would you characterize battle's versatility in terms of being interchangeable? You know, does he play, is he, you know, is he better in the box? Is he better in center field? Like, what do you think? I think he's both.
4: I think it's probably depends on what you have with him. Um, You know, I think he could be faster, you know, those types of things. I don't know if, you know, that's why he's down where he is. I think if the measure if the, uh, the, the athletic traits were probably stronger in certain areas, he would be higher up there. But I think the reason why he's still a day two pick and a top 100 guy is the fact that he could do both. I think that you would, you know, if you have a strong, strong safety, then he's your free. If you have a strong free, then he, you know what I mean? Like, so I think that that's sort of how I look at him. And I think that again, a Saban guy who's played in that system and gone through all that understands, you know, he played single high safety in college, but I think that, they understand how to play both. I mean, that's that's the situation there. So same with Georgia, typically when we see guys come out uh, from that end. So I guess that's how I look at him.
0: One of the things about these mock drafts, you did a full three rounds, but really the whole thing tumbles from the very first pick. In this particular iteration, <laughs> you've got Carolina taking C.J. Stroud and Detroit trading up into the third spot from the sixth spot to take Will Anderson, the pass rusher, Arizona going to the six spot. So your first round has got like three trades in the top 10. Give us a little mm-hmm. insight as to why you think Stroud is going to be the first guy off the board and how the rest of the top 10 unfolds.
4: Yeah, I think Stroud is is the most ready and like with the highest ceiling of the quarterbacks, right? Like I think that his ceiling as a pocket passer with the ability to sort of move around and be mobile enough is better than Bryce Young's ability to do all the things that Bryce could do at his size uh Richardson is not all the way there yet obviously the athleticism and all the measurables with Anthony Richardson if he clicks and everything goes together you guys know what that looks like there Buffalo that's the same thing if Richardson you know puts everything together he is the best quarterback in this draft however I think Stroud as a passer is the most ready I think he's got the top ceiling for it uh and I think that Carolina you know I really like the hire they made in the offseason with Reich and I think that They've got a situation there where, be it Stroud, be it Young, be it Richardson, no matter who that quarterback is they take, it's going to be a terrific learning environment for that player right away. And the thing to remember about all three of those guys, they're all super young. They were all three-year players in college, and they all have a long way to go, and they're all pretty good right now. So I think that this is a good quarterback class. It's not generational, but I I like Stroud the best out of those three.
2: Nick, knowing you are also the co-host of The Beat, the Michigan Michigan State podcast, a guy that could be a day-two consideration if perhaps the Bills don't get a receiver in round one is Jaden Reed. Um, mm-hmm. What can you tell me about him and just what you've seen from him over the last year in particular?
4: Yeah, I love Jaden Reed. He's a super explosive, uh, you know, the speed that comes at you and just can leave a guy right off the line of scrimmage, super difficult to cover in the, off the slot. And I think actually a guy who could probably win outside in the NFL, if he needs to uh, could probably do more from a route tree perspective was more, was mostly a go ball guy uh, at Michigan staple was awesome uh, at it. And, you know, despite the size, you know, I think his ability to go up in the air and finish uh, was on display in the big 10 over and over again. And the big 10 has really aggressive, really physical defensive backs. And he's not the biggest guy in the world, but I did not see him drop many contested catches. And I didn't see him drop many you know, many, much of anything, there was long stretches, even during the year where they had Kenneth Walker, where Jaden Reed was, you know, either their best player or one B. I mean, he was that good. I was surprised he didn't come out the year prior. So really good player. I like him a lot. I think he's going to help somebody right away.
0: One of the things that always happens at this time of year too, for this other position is running back and who is going to be the first running back taken, usually there is a top running back that people think is going to, will he go in the first round? What are your thoughts about Bijan Robinson and him being the first guy, or um, the other kid from Gibbs, yeah, Gibbs 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 from um, Alabama? Which one goes first, and how high do they go?
4: I think Bijan will go first, and you know, I I think he's a first round pick. I don't know where in the first round, and I think that's the ultimate uh, the ultimate question there. You know, I think I had him at Detroit the last time I did it through uh, at eighteen, and that's you know, depending on what they do at six or three or whatever they didn't want to do to trade up that could be a luxury type, you know, pick for them. But I just think a lot of teams, Dallas needs a running back. There's teams in there that could justify it. And this is a different type of player, man. I mean, he is, he is a true three down multifaceted weapon who, you know, can split out uh, and run routes like a receiver and carry the load. He can work with another back. He was a great teammate at Texas. Uh, everybody loved him, you know, just a good kid. And and it's still got a lot of trailing tires. They did not overuse him. And I think that's the other thing people have slept on a little bit. I like him a ton. And I think if you get him on a rookie deal and you're ready to compete, then it could really be a good pick for somebody.
2: I got it. I know. And you, and you know, you're covering the lions a lot and you mocked them with a trade up to three with Arizona, taking Will Anderson third, which Holy crap. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson and Will Anderson as bookends, that's pretty formidable. (laughs) And then you have them taking B. John Robinson at 18 with their second pick in round one. My, my question to you is, because we've heard this when we've seen Bijan mock mocked to Detroit. Yeah, they lost mm-hmm. Jamal Williams, um, but they signed David Montgomery in free agency. And so I right. guess people are and, and they're like, what, DeAndre Swift? What? Like, no respect, no love. And so can you just kind of spell that out for us, like why B. John Robinson is even uh, a consideration for the lions. You think?
4: Yeah, I think that the lions have sort of shown their willingness to stay young at certain spots. David Montgomery came in on a three-year deal. I think they can get out of it in two. I think Bijan would be your long-term piece. And yeah, I think that Swift, that would be me saying that I think Swift probably is a little bit of chopped liver here because it just hasn't worked quite the way they've wanted to for him. And if a guy like Robinson were there and you can get him, then I think that's an upgrade that you make. Now, if you can't, then you weigh that against maybe a guy like Gibbs in the second round. I don't know if I would do that because I think Swift's better than maybe, maybe what he has, but maybe not, you know, and I think that that's the thing that you're weighing if you're Detroit, because I view them as a team, same thing that the rationale of having them trade up, they're ready to go. They're ready to go try to compete. If you're ready to go try to compete, you've got the assets, like go get the best guys you can get. And I think that, you know, Anderson's the best guy they could get. And I think if that's, they have the assets to make that happen, And same reason, you know, if you could get a guy like Robinson or one of those receivers maybe or a tight end uh, to fall in your lap, uh, go do it and, you know, make the playoffs and turn the corner.
0: If there's a team out there that is going to be a surprise in taking a quarterback, which one would it be? I know you've got on your mock, this three-round, you've got one of the quarterbacks, Will Levis, going all the way down. He's the fourth quarterback taken at 16 to Washington. But if there was a surprise team up above them, for instance, like a New England Patriots or maybe a Tennessee Titans that are, that go quarterback instead of something else, what happens then?
4: A lot of, yeah, a lot of people have asked that. Tennessee, maybe, uh, would New England do it after just, you know, draft? I've looked at Seattle quite, you know, a lot. I don't know if that would be a surprise, but I mean, they just signed Geno Smith to a pretty team-friendly. I mean, it's, a, it's an expensive deal, but it's not long. Uh, he's an older guy. I think that that'd be a perfect bridge scenario there. And I know Atlanta has been pretty vocal about we love Desmond Ritter. We love Desmond Ritter. He's our favorite. <laughs> but I would not. I'm telling if one of those guys slides down or if they really like Will Levis, let's say, um, yeah, it wouldn't shock me at all uh, to see them. Because you know, would- last year's class, I mean, just was not like what this year's is. And it's not like what next year's will be either. But yeah, wouldn't shock me at all.
0: Let me run this by you. Wouldn't uh, for a team like Seattle, who just signed Geno Smith, who had a splash year last year, um, I mean, they gave him a nice contract, no question. It's a three-year deal. Like, it's not yeah. you know, it's not a lifetime contract by any stretch of the imagination. Exactly. What about a team like Seattle taking a player like Hendon Hooker, the quarterback from Tennessee who was injured, won't be ready to play until November, really just redshirt him a year, sit behind Geno, and then in Geno's like first – in that first year, sits behind him, and then a first full-off season, come in – let Geno and Hendon either play or let Geno play again. And, and you, then in the last year
2: of Geno Smith's contract, and you might be able to get him at 20 with your second right. first round pick. So
0: something exactly. like that. I think Hendon, I think Hendon hooker is a real intriguing prospect because he's to me, he's got a pretty high ceiling.
4: Yeah. I like him a lot. And I think that he's almost like, you know, there are multiple starters in this class and there are more, you know, potential starters that go beyond those top four. And he is definitely included in that. And I almost feel like he's like a, asterisk starter because of the injury it's like we just don't know how quick it's going to be for him and there are certain things like the offense he played in college is really quarterback friendly and it's not always going to be like that and all this but like he was terrific at tennessee and i mean you will not find another player in this draft that you know people talk about you know more glowingly in terms of a person so people love this guy i mean he's Uh, That's why I think you see some teams, you know, have him up in the first because they're like, forget it. I think he could be a future starter. And like you just said, I mean, you know, if you've got a guy that you like that has a little bit of age on him that you think could be a nice bridge to maybe a cheaper, you know, future starter, then he would be a terrific option, I think, because he could fit in a lot of different systems. And I think he'd be he's a high floor player, I guess, is probably what we would say with him. Right. And I think that that's uh, you could do worse at quarterback.
2: Nick, thanks very much for the time and the insight. Had fun uh, plowing through your three round mock. I'm glad you did it, not me. Um, <laughs> fellas. And uh, and we'll catch <laughs> up with you. We'll catch up with you down the road. Thanks very much.
4: Anytime, guys. That's what I'm here for.
2: All right, That's senior writer and columnist, Nick Baumgartner from the Athletic. He also is. Uh, I-, I love the name of this podcast. Co-host of one of these years Detroit Lions <laughs> podcast. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> one of these years will be relevant. Awesome. You I, uh, they're yeah. getting there, man. You and I they are, have another good draft here, Steve. Lions could be going places. Our pros, our our podcast
0: already has a name, but we should. Yeah, we, we. I was teasing about the guy that said, you know, our podcast should be named "Idiots with Internet." Yeah, <laughs> that's us, right? And everybody yeah, else, I like that. Yeah, and uh, but I love that name of that podcast. One
2: of these years, yeah. And look, this year could be the year. Rogers is probably going to be out of the division. Yeah. The Bears are rebuilding, and Minnesota lost a few pieces, and Detroit was right there at the end, Steve. They, f- I think they finished nine and eight, but they didn't qualify for the playoffs because they needed help and didn't get the help they needed in Week 18. Yeah, I'm, you don't
0: think so? I've got you're, a long way. They've got a long way to go to win me over. To I like, it. I love Dan Campbell. I, I yeah. remember doing production meetings when he was the interim coach with the Miami Dolphins down there. Hmm. Uh, former tight end. I like him a lot. Respect him as a coach too for what he did last He's year. They got a good staff there they too. They were the flavor of the month last year going through hard knocks like they did and they put together a really strong season. And they were scrappy. But to say here's the thing. I don't know that the that the that they may win the division. But Aaron Rodgers is not in that division anymore. That's that's my point. And yeah. they got to and they got to beat what? Kirk Cousins. Yeah, just be better than Kirk. That's possible. Okay. Fine. Yeah. Okay. They win the division. That's great. so they go to the playoffs. That's a They're, big step for a, the Detroit Lions. It's a one and done.
2: It's a giant step for you, them. You gotta. Yeah.
0: Okay. There's their giant. They step. might
2: have a parade.
0: <laughs> the the yeah. If the Bears did it, they'd have a parade. I mean that the the bar is so low. <laughs> For those two franchises, well, the Bears steps, for the Come Bears on. and We're the, talking Lions. About the Lions. The Bears and the Lions. The bar is so low for those franchises. You know, it's just okay. The, yes, they you, every other the team in the other conference. Kirk Cousins is there another year now. Kirk Cousins is now my age. He's sixty one. He's been playing. For, he's been playing since the late nineteen fifties. You know, so Kirk Cousins is still there. And then Aaron Rodgers, who is a two time MVP. Jettisons out of the division, so now all of a sudden, by default, you're competitive. Both those franchises, the Bears and well, the Lions.
2: I mean, you could argue their it's roster by has improved. It's by default. Detroit's roster's improved. They
0: it, last year it improved significantly. They I mean yeah. they played really well, and Campbell's got them playing really hard, and that's important. But I'm it's you know, spare me the confetti. Yeah. for them right. right just yet. I mean, I like him, and I, and I like Dan, but, man, I'm not – I am nowhere near the bandwagon for the Bears-Lions. In it the would
2: be – I will say this. It would be pretty seismic if they're the team that moves up to three and gets the pass rusher they want. So now you just took Aiden Hutchinson last year with the second pick in the draft, yeah. and now you use another pick on a top five – another top five pick on a pass rusher. you got those two guys coming at you every week. Two inexperienced quarterbacks in your division, and Jordan Love and Justin Fields, those two pass rushers could keep up with them. be interesting okay. to see if Detroit is one of the six teams reported to be calling Arizona about their number three pick overall. And Detroit's only three picks away. As a matter of fact, Nick Baumgartner, who we just had on, in his mock, he had Detroit trading up from six to three and still keeping pick 18. Right. So interesting stuff. I'm. My interest I, is peaked. Because of this draft class
0: and the, I don't want to say homogenized, that's probably not the right word, but the, the level of top talent not being that far from the rest of the draft, I sniff a ton of trade. He had three in this mock draft in the top ten. Three trades. I think it's going to be wild yeah, because people are too. so hard up for quarterbacks. I think it's going to be really wild. I think he's got a shot at that. I think we might be Roger Goodell might be going like pacing back and forth going n- now we have clock, another trade we have another trade yeah so I think the
2: yeah the first round of the draft might take five hours instead of the a lot of <laughs> well the clock time. the clock doesn't change you got to make the trade in the allotted amount of time so yeah. they don't they don't put they don't add time on just because you trade it into the pick right that's why time is of the essence got it. Yeah, you that's why pull they the got pull the trigger.
0: That's right. Every war room, every draft room has got like literally
2: 25, 30 phone lines. Yeah. And they're so all make sure and they're you on through. It. Yeah. Yep. Break time for us here. When we come back, more of your phone calls. What position would you trade up for in the draft and why? We'll also get some of your thoughts on the tweet sheet next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. <laughs> What position would you trade up for in the NFL draft and why? You let us know at 803-0550. Taking your phone calls, one 550 2550 Open line for you there. But uh, getting us started in this segment is Randy and Amherst. What do you got for us, Randy? You're on One Bill's Live.
3: Um, yes, uh, you guys are talking about the uh, draft and everything. and um, I feel like the loss in the Bengals game uh, was basically the offensive and the defensive line got manhandled. Um They had three backup uh, linemen, and um, our defense could not even get in there, let alone they ran the ball down our throats. The Bills' offensive line all graded below average this year, and I feel they should either get the offensive line to tackle or um, uh, either a stud tight end that can block and maybe go out for passes. They have to use uh, some kind of safety valve for Josh because they don't really throw to the backs as much. And um, I feel their defensive tackles are a little too light. They, like Jordan Phillips is big, but the other ones are a little too light. And I'd like to hear what you guys have to say.
0: All right, all that's, all that's good stuff, Randy, I, and I get all of it. You're right. Uh, the, the Cincinnati game was not a pretty sight. Um, I will say this to you, though. And Brownie and I have talked about this earlier on the show. Maybe you caught it, maybe you didn't. But I, both of us, I don't want to speak for Brownie, I'll say what I feel. Uh, that team that we saw in the Cincinnati game and also in the last game of the season against the New England Patriots and also in the first playoff game against the Miami Dolphins, even though they won those two games against the Dolphins and the Patriots, the Bills were not the same team they were before the Monday night in Cincinnati. They just weren't the same team. And most notably, that takes place up front. Um, you can see it. Um This is a team that you're – I I know that there were times when they were – they were they met their match up front with other teams. You know, the Jets gave them some problems in the first meeting in the season. And there were other games where they'd go through stretches where they they weren't as good up front as you'd like them to be. But for the most part, even the offensive line, which has been a little bit uh, criticized at the end of this season, um, was at least in the middle of the pack overall. There were times when it was worse, times when it was better. Little inconsistent would would be okay, but never in a game throughout the regular season or the playoffs were they manhandled like they were in the Cincinnati game. I don't point to the guys on the fields of not being good enough or the plan not being good enough or being out coached or anything like that. It was what had happened to them over the last month of that season took its toll and they were done. They were done. I don't think there's anything about that last game against the Cincinnati Bengals that you take forward saying we got to fix this, that, and the other because there was something wrong with the team there that had nothing to do with scouting and football and the talent on the field. So while I get your point and you're, and you're right in, in and of itself in a capsule, but in the big picture this team had done everything it could and, and was right on, on track – Doing exactly and accomplishing everything they'd set out to do last year when they were Super Bowl favorites and they were hot. Now, if that last the heartbreaking loss in the playoffs from two years ago, they were you know they were on a roll. That to me, they are going to continue that. This team's going to be a handful when this season kicks off. They're going to be a handful no matter what happens in this draft. They're going to be a handful. So if they can get better with the guys in this draft, awesome. it's, it's going to help them. No question about it. But they don't need a magic elixir. They don't need a different philosophy. You're right. They need to get the maximum they can from the talent they've got on whoever that's going to be. They've got to maximize that talent. But they are going to have enough talent to get to and win the Super Bowl. But they've got to play well on that day. That's all there is to it. They've got to play well on the play, on the, in the wild card, in the divisional, in the championship game, and the Super Bowl. They've got to play well in those four weeks, not just in the, in the regular season like we've seen them do. And there's nothing about some magic wand or magic thing or different thing that's going to make them automatically better at the end of the season. It's going to come down to a million things that we don't have control over yet. So well, I get what you're saying, and I saw the same thing you did, but I, I attribute it not to the philosophy and the scouting and the wrong, having the wrong players. I, can, I attribute it to having challenges that were too difficult to overcome with what they had to work with.
2: And, you know, you mentioned that Jordan Phillips is the only big defensive tackle. I would submit Daquan Jones at 317 pounds is not a runt and was their best run-stuffing defensive tackle all season last year. Definitely their most consistent defensive interior player, in my opinion. And here's the thing. The reason the Bengals ran all over the Bills, Daquan Jones didn't play in that game, and Jordan Phillips was playing with one arm. So, you're down to Tim Settle, Ed Oliver, who aren't as big, and then backups behind them. and Eli Onku. Yeah, they got their um, lunch yeah. handed to him. So, when you're missing two of your best run-stuffing defensive tackles, it doesn't matter that they have three backup offensive linemen in there. That's, a, that's the
0: biggest thing to me. Yeah. The Cincinnati offensive line was decimated, and the Bills were so gutted by what had happened to them. And they couldn't even stand up to that. I mean, that'll tell you how big, how big an issue and how big a component emotional content is to an NFL team. You got to bring it. It's a, it's like stepping into the, it's like stepping into the ring to fight. You've got to be all one hundred percent ready. And it was just too much for them to do after what they had been through over the last month
2: before that. That's that's my take on that situation. Yeah. We told you at the beginning of the show that NFL Network's Mike Arafolo was reporting that the Bills have agreed to terms with Shaq Lawson on a new one-year contract. The Bills have not confirmed anything yet, but Shaq apparently has on Twitter. (laughs) He tweets, run it back, glad to be home. Um, So there you go. And he's quote-tweeting Mike Arafolo's report. So that's about as close as you get to a direct source. Uh, when it's the actual player on social media. So we'll await official word um, from the Bills, but it's looking like it's trending in that direction, shall we say. (laughs) Let's go to the tweet sheet, though. In the meantime, what position would you trade up for in the NFL draft and why? Bill's News Consolidated says, I'd trade up for Jackson Smith and Jigman in the first round because he's the best slot receiver and fit for our team. Do You think he's the best fit? He's a talented player. He'll help any offense. He would help the Bills offense. Is he the best fit at the receiver position for the Bills offense?
0: Uh, if he's the best player, yeah, he's the best fit. Um, it's impossible He's to say. not the only he's fit. He's not the only fit. He'd be good, no question. Yeah. And And I think he plays ahead of some other guys that are on the roster right now. Mm. But – Yeah, I mean, I'm hey, if we, I don't want to trade up ten spots, it'd be too expensive. But I'll trade up two or three. Yep. Right. But what do we? And I don't, I don't, I don't throw it. What if we do if we trade up for a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba, Mm -hmm. and he has the kind of rookie season that Khalil Shakir had. Where you why isn't he why isn't he playing why isn't he playing why isn't he, you know that well kind hopefully
2: it's because Khalil Shakir is lighting it up every week right that'd be nice
0: <laughs> then would nobody be caring How about right? that right? for nobody a counter, counter argument it's <laughs> true um, you got to remember this is a, this team is a an absolute beast of a football team to try and beat they lost three games by a total of eight points and the two of the three losses were were literally miracles by the yeah. other team so. I mean, you're you're looking at a team that's going to be really difficult to beat, and it's not going to be any different this year.
2: I still. So never, it's going to be hard
0: to get on the field for this team.
2: I will still never understand this Rose Bowl game because he had like 300 yards receiving in this game. It looked like who was it? Who did they play? Stanford in this game, or was it Utah? Uh, looks I think I think it was like Utah. Arizona
0: State or somebody. Right?
2: I don't know. No, it's not Arizona State. Not? I think it was. Is yeah, it, yeah. Was this the semifinal? Or this, a quarter? this is a different game. But yeah, the okay. Rose Bowl was his trademark game. He had like 300 yards receiving on 18 receptions. It was ridiculous. It looked like the defense for the other team was running in quicksand the whole game. Because yeah. he's not a burner by any means. He's like a 4-5-3 guy. Frank on the tweet sheet says, Offensive line because no team can ever win without a great O-line. Truer least, words were even, never spoken, Frank. It doesn't have to be a great O line, but
0: it has to be at least an O line that's playing great. <laughs> There's a difference. You know, but
2: yes. I'm I'm okay with that. The value is gonna be very interesting on what it looks like with respect to offensive line prospects down there at twenty seven. A lot of people believe Skaranski is going to be the first offensive lineman off the board, right. somewhere in the top ten, presumably, no later than 12. And then after that, you're talking Paris Johnson and Broderick Jones, the Ohio State and Georgia kid. And then after that, it's Darnell Wright. Well, that's a long drop. Yeah. And i got to tell you, Steve.
0: But you've got another couple of guys in there like Anton Harrison from OU, DeWan Jones. <laughs> The big, huge guy, Cody Mock, the kid from South Dakota State yeah, those are enamored with. I think Matt those are
2: second-round picks. Bergeron.
0: Yeah, they might be, but they've got traits and, and measurables that make, them, make teams yeah. fall in love with them. My, and there might be some teams that need guards that say, we're never going to draft a guard. We're only going to draft tackles and then move them to guard.
2: Yeah, that's fine. Um,
0: which makes more tackles come off the
2: board. There is one – so it, let's just say hypothetically – that the value at receiver is gone and the bills are locked in on offensive line and they're coming down to their pick and that Tennessee kids on the board that you like Darnell, Wright. There's one team that I am very worried about that's sitting in front of them. I will tell you who that team is next here on one bills live presented by Kaleida health. It's Buffalo bills. Radio. All right, so as we were saying, Steve, Mm -hmm. let's just say there isn't value a wide receiver 24, and the Bills are looking at an offensive lineman prospect that might fit the value there, or 27, sorry. Right. And let's just say your guy Darnell Wright's on the board, and it's ticking down to the Bills' pick. The one team that I am concerned about snatching somebody like Darnell Wright away from them are the Jacksonville Jaguars at pick 24 – Because they just lost Jawan Taylor in free agency, their starting tackle. So there is a defined need there, and they haven't really fixed it uh, in free agency, shall we say, with an investment in a veteran. So I would be concerned that that guy could be out the door um, before the bills are even on the clock.
0: But there's, you know, even so, this, you know, Darnell Wright, the guy that I'm picking, he's, he's listed at sixth on the website I'm looking at. Um, he could be as low as four, but you're going to take – if he's as low as six or whatever, when you get down to fourth, fifth, and sixth tackles in this draft, that's when you start talking about you You got to wait until you're down in the 20s yeah. before those guys are going to be in, in danger of being taken ahead of you. So – you're going to be able to get a really good player, whether it's our guy Darnell yeah. Wright or DeWan Jones or Cody Mock or Bergeron, any of these guys. You're going to get one of those guys. You're going to have a shot at one of those guys, in my opinion, because there's there's that many guys available. So if that's what you're going to – if you're hell-bent on getting one of those guys, okay. But like we said, when the board falls, you might be thinking, oh, there's this wide receiver or this tight end or one of these other players. That- there's
2: even more here than I thought there right. would be. So
0: it's going to, you're going to get a good player what's he going to look like and what position is he going to play? I don't know. We'll see. But I'm I'm totally on board with an O-lineman.
2: Always got to be prepared to pivot. That's how it works in this draft. All right. Steve, have the happiest of birthdays today. Thank you. And we will catch up with you tomorrow. More draft talk, as always, here on One Bills Live. We'll see you tomorrow at (laughs) 1.